0: Okay, so before I start here, I have a sucker, I have a sucker up here as a reminder. Um, the kids, if you got a bulletin, or any adult that fills out the back of the bulletin, we, I will go with the honor system. Okay, you fill that thing out, you can come set it up here, and here's suckers. sucker. So as long as there's suckers left, and you turn in your bulletin, you're free to take one. Okay? Anybody, it's up for anybody. I don't think it's going to be too hard to figure it out. Caleb thought he could fill it out before he even listened, so you might be able to do that We are going to be. I just hit the record button. That's starting now, or did I just stop it? Yeah. Did I stop it? Okay. All right. We're going to be in Luke chapter 14, so if you want to turn there as as I start here, that would be great. Uh, There's. when it comes to learning lessons in life, there are generally two ways to go about doing this. One is by learning by example, and the other is by learning by experience. Now, I would recommend highly that you will learn everything you could by example. Uh, when I, I've, I've learned things by example. I remember when I was about 11 years old, we went to this retreat with a whole bunch of kids from other churches, and, uh, and that Sunday we found ourselves in a little church, probably like this size, And there's all these kids lined up in the back, which made for the perfect opportunity to learn by example. Uh, A couple of kids, 16, 17-year-olds, were up front in front of us saying, we're expecting a baby. We are not married. We're not even done with high school. Uh, And I thought, I'm going to learn by example that I don't want that. That I, I don't need to find myself pregnant with a girl before uh, I'm married. That's not the way God intended it. That's not what he wanted, so I learned by example. And I've heard it probably 50 times in my life of people who have done this. I have a sister that learned, that did not learn by example that had to learn by experience. I, have, I am stubborn, though. I have learned things by experience. One thing I learned by experience I learned when I was 6 years old. And I learned that when you see a window, you don't put your foot through it to see what happens. We had stairs going down to our basement, and there was a window right there, which I think was totally the wrong kind of window, because I was just able to go like this. And I learned from experience. I don't want to do that ever again. Today's lesson is a lesson in humility, and Jesus is going to teach the the Pharisees and the religious people a lesson. Some people are going to learn it by example, some people are going to learn it by experience, but I would not challenge you, I would encourage you to learn it by example because it is a lesson you are going to learn. Jesus says if you humble yourself, you will be exalted and if you exalt yourself, you will be humbled. So whether you learn it by example say I'm going to just choose to be humble or whether you say I'm going to be stubborn and fight it to the very end, at some point you're going to learn this lesson. The, the, we're actually going to be looking at <clears throat> three lessons uh, dealing with Humility. The first lesson is humble people take the back seat. Humble people take the back seat. The second one, humble people serve others even when they can't repay them. And the third lesson is that humble people will be rewarded. The, the classroom setting. If you're going to learn a lesson in school, you've you got to have a setting. The setting for this taking place is a Pharisee's house in Luke chapter 14, verses 1-6. through 6. We're not gonna, I'm going to read through it, but we're not going to spend a lot of time on this part, we've gone through this three times, and I can't think of any other way to go through this. And I'd like to finally get through Luke, but it's on the, the fact or the, the lesson that love triumphs over the law. Love is more important than the law. And uh, this is the fourth time in the book of Luke that we're looking at this. It, ha- it happens two times in John, so at least six times in the gospel, uh, Jesus is trying to convince the religious people that love is more important than the law. But that's the situation where this lesson takes place. So let me just read through it, uh, verses 1 through 6, and then we'll continue on with our first lesson that humble people take the back seat. So Luke chapter 14, verses 1 through 6. It says, One Sabbath, when Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee, he was being carefully watched. In front of him was a man suffering from dropsy, And Jesus asked the Pharisee and experts in the law, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent. So he took hold of the man. He healed him and sent him away. Then he asked them, what would you guys do? If one of you has a son or an ox that falls into a well on the Sabbath day, will you not immediately pull him out? They said, it depends on which kid. And they had nothing to say. They, 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 because they knew what the right answer was. They knew that the most important thing was to be taking care of my son that fell into the well, to take care of my ox that needed help. The right thing was to do, was to take care of these people. So that's the setting for all this to take place. We will refer to those verses a few times, but the main bulk of it will be between verses 7 through 14. Lesson number one, humble people take the back seat. In this case, literally. When he noticed how the guests picked up the places of honor at the table, he told them this parable. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor for a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host who invited both of you will come and say to you, give the man your seat. Then humiliated, you will have to take the least important place. But when you are invited, take the lowest place so that when your host comes, he will say to you, friend, move up to a better place. Then you will be honored in the presence of all the guests. Humble people take the back seat. In other words, pride says me first, right? Not rocket scientists. I'm sure that you 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 know this. Pride says me first. Humility says other people first. But that's not how these guys are thinking. Now, in their culture, it was kind of a co- common thing for them if they were invited to somebody's house to to try to look and find the best seat for themselves. Now in church, this doesn't really happen because you guys all know one, two, three, four. The best seats in the house are the first four rows. You guys are all humble. You say everybody else can sit up there. In their culture, that's what they would do. And they would, uh, they would look at their social status, and they would sit accordingly. Now, that sounds easy enough to do. But in, in reality, in order for that to happen, I have to look at somebody else and compare myself to them and say, you know what, I'm better than that person, and so I deserve the best seat. In order for me to take the best seat, I probably have to remove someone else from that seat and it's all about me very prideful life is all about me but pride said and uh, that's that's the way that these guys were thinking that's not the way that Jesus was Jesus didn't act that way and Jesus didn't try to teach that he he taught humility and we're going to look at that here in a few minutes they had pride in their day they wanted the best for themselves guess what we have pride in our day too I want, I want what's best for me. I want, I'm the number one, uh, the guy that, that wants the best because, because I'm thinking of myself first. Now, like I say, we don't jockey for the best seats in church, unless you want to count out the back row. But even then, people aren't fighting for it. Everybody pretty much just has their spot to go. But I, I have actually seen this played out. Um, when I, where I came from, we used to watch Monday Night Football. And we would have about 15 guys in a living room or a basement. And one guy's house in particular had the big screen. And every seat, in my opinion, was a good spot. Because it's a small little room. Anywhere you sit, you could go. Well, we would try to get the junior high boys to come. And I don't know why they would ever come to this, after what I'm going to tell you. But sometimes they would be a glutton for punishment. Well, sometimes a boy would sit in the wrong seat. Because it was considered one of the best seats and most people say, well, I wish I could have that seat. I'm going to beat the kid there next time. Or when he gets up for his chili, I'm going to take that seat. But there's one guy in particular who would go and he'd sit on the kid. Or he would grab the kid and he would yank him out because he thought he deserved that spot. Now, maybe he was just having fun with the kid. But guess what everybody else really thought about this guy? What a jerk, right? He, that kid doesn't deserve to get sat on. He, he doesn't know better. He's just a kid trying to watch a game that you invited him to, and now you're making him stand in the back because you think you're better qualified for that seat. A lot of people won't uh, verbally say, I'm better than somebody else, but the way we act, we might come across that way. Even in church, this can happen. I deserve to have things my way. This is the way I want it. I'm not going to voice the words, I deserve it, but I act that way. I get offended, I get mad if things don't go my way because I deserve to have things my way. Pride says me first. Humility says other people first. Now if we were to stop here and we were to have raise your hand and answer, uh, what what do you think you would tell me if I said what should those guys do instead of try to take the best seat for themselves? I don't think anybody's gonna say, Yeah, that was the right thing to do. I think everybody would say you let somebody else go first. I mean, any any seat is not gonna be a bad seat. You got the tables and you got them kind of running down the side, everywhere you sit is going to be a good seat. They want it to look better in everybody else's eyes, but there is not a bad seat. We would all say, okay, if it's that important to you, why don't you just take that seat? Everybody's going to get the same amount of food. Everybody's still going to have a good view. I mean, there's, there is no reason to do this except for, I have pride and I want to look good. They should have had humility. We should have the same thing. We should have an other's first kind of attitude. We should let other people go first. I hate to say this one. We should let someone else have the biggest piece of cake. We should let somebody else have the last cookie. But pride says, no, I'm going to take it. In Iwana downstairs, uh, when the kids try to be the first in line, there's a couple of kids who are always trying to be first. And I've decided I'm going to nip this in the bud, and I'm going to start, instead of leading from the front, we're going to start leading from the back. We're going to start leading from the middle, so that these kids who think they gotta be first in everything are gonna find themselves at the end every time. But we don't have to be a doormat. You know, we don't just because we talk about being humble, that doesn't mean you've got to let everybody just walk all over you. I know that's probably a fear that people have is if I'm going to be humble, I'm going to give up the best for somebody, I'm going to have nothing. But Philippians 2 4 says each of you should look out not only for your own interests but also for the interests of others. Yes, you're supposed to look out for other people, but it is also okay to look out for yourself. You don't have to just be a doormat. And let's consider the example of Jesus. Our scripture reading, uh, Philippians chapter 2, we're going to look at verses 5 through 7. He says, Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant." Being found in in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. It was his choice to humble himself, to put himself on our level in order to become obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus is God up in heaven. He he became man here on earth. And when he came down here, he came to experience the, the things that we experience. That, oh, that hurts when somebody breaks their arm. That hurts when I have somebody lose I'm going to to lose somebody that I love. It hurts to be be made fun of. There's the joys, there's the highs, there's the lows. He came to experience those things. He didn't just stand and say, yep, that's sad for you. He went through those kinds of things that we did in order to become obedient to death, even death on a cross. And think about us. And I'm not going to say think about you specifically, but just humankind in general. We can't even... Give up the last piece of cake. I can't. We can't even uh, give somebody else the best seat. We can't even put other people first for a few days or for a few hours because we're so concerned about ourselves. And Jesus did this for eternity on, um, on when he came down to earth so that we can have eternity up in heaven with him. Pride says me first. Humility says other people first. Lesson number two is humble people serve others even when they can't repay, verses 12 to 13. It says, Then Jesus said to his host, When you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers, your relatives, or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back, and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. Those are the kinds of people he's saying that you should be invited. Now, who did he invite? He says, I'm going to invite my friends. I'm going to invite the rich people. I'm going to invite the people that I like, my my co-workers. I'm going to invite my family order for dinner. Now, why didn't he invite the poor and the crippled and the lame? Was it because he didn't know where they were at? When he walked down the street, he didn't see them? Uh, When he was at work at the office, he didn't notice that that person didn't have much to eat? Was it because he just somehow was able to be out of that presence? No, this guy knew exactly where these people were. He knew when you walked down the street, I'm going like this because I don't want to see that person. I know uh, how to avoid situations uh, in order to keep that from having that even that pressure to do that. He knew where to find these people. He knew that these people needed help. These people might need a meal. These people might need a friend. But when he invited people, he didn't invite anybody different. It was always the same people, always the same kind of people who are going to look at him with rose-colored glasses and think he was something special, Because he was, it was willing to invite them. Why didn't he invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the 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 different people? Well, probably because he had an image to protect, right? If I invite this this guy with this poor man or this person with some disease or or somebody that's different that smells funny, my my social class people are not going to want to come to this party too. I mean, they might come the first time because they don't know. But they're going to start asking questions. Why are you inviting these kinds of people? Because I'm not going to go. I'm going to pick and choose. Um, Honestly, it would make them feel uncomfortable. You know, if you have everybody together and everybody's on the same page and then you have somebody different, it will make you uncomfortable if you invite those kinds of people. Um, And maybe it was because he didn't want to invite them. Because in their day and age, if somebody was sick or hurt, a lot of times they accused them of having done something wrong. If you're familiar with the story about a man that was born blind that was brought to Jesus, and the people said, was this man born blind because he sinned or because his parents sinned? You want to talk about a dumb question? You know, this kid that was born blind before he had done anything, but they were blaming him for being blind based off of what he did or what his parents did. So there's lots of reasons why he wouldn't want to invite them. And there's lots of reasons why we would not want to Uh, Humble ourselves to serve people who can't repay. You know, we might want to avoid those same kinds of people because they're different, because they make us feel uncomfortable. Uh, We talked about school starting in a week and a half. Kids are excited. I imagine you're going to have new kids at school. And sometimes new kids come in like a hero. Everybody wants to be their friend. But sometimes new kids come in and nobody wants to talk to them because they're different. And then we could, we could act exactly the same way, say, I'm going to avoid this kind of person. Or the kid who's always been at school that smells a little different, the kid that's a little bit awkward, that really doesn't understand how things are working, we can choose to avoid them as well and be just as bad as this Pharisee was. We can do the same thing at work. We can avoid the the awkward coworker. We can avoid... The people who make us feel uncomfortable, the people who are different, we can avoid those people. We can do it when we're out and about. When you're at the grocery store, you guys know people probably that you're like, oh, man, if I would have known Josh was here, I would not have come here. I'm going to go walking down this part of the aisle because he's on that side of the store. right? He's going to talk to me. He's, he's going to take up too much of my time. Uh, you know, He's not on the same social ladder. He's not on the same intellectual plane that I am on. We can do that when we're at the fair next Sunday or next weekend. We can see so-and-so and and say, I'm going this way because I don't want to connect because I am too good for that person. We won't say the words, but our actions are proving it. Pride says I'm too good. Humility says I'm not too good. Uh, the, The host should have invited this man with dropsy. His only reason for inviting him was because he wanted to catch Jesus in a trap because he knew Jesus loved everybody. He knew that you put these two forces together and he knew Jesus could not resist helping this man. And it was going to be on the Sabbath. Jesus was going to say that loving is more important than the law. The Pharisees hated him. They hated it every time he did that, but they put him together cuz they knew Jesus could not resist doing that. Now this man is kind of a pawn. He's he's got an ailment. He's got dropsy. He, his his stomach is is hurting. It's swelling, his body's, his organs are probably shutting down, his arms are swelling, his face is swelling, he's just standing there. I just picture him standing there with these, these Pharisees who are saying, hey, make sure you stay here, because if they really cared about this guy, they would have said, why don't you go sit down where it's more comfortable? There you can have your food and you can sit and relax, but he's standing there as best as, he's, as he can in order to be uh, this pawn that they're going to use. This guy was probably of little account Uh, Socially, he was probably shunned. He was avoided. Um, He probably had no money because everything he spent he took to the doctors. Uh, He couldn't work because he was in such poor uh, condition. He probably didn't make it to the synagogue very often, which would make the Pharisees unhappy. But Jesus says, this is the guy to invite. Not your friends and all your families. You invite people like this who cannot repay you for the kindness that you have shown them. And we should have that same kind of humility. Now, I look out there, and I see families, and I know that families get together. And I know friends get together. And I know when I go back to Davenport, we get families, our family gets together, and they're going to be up to about 20 different people. No more. Don't you get together with your friends? Don't you get together with your families? Don't you get together with your coworkers? No more. Jesus says, don't do that. No, he really doesn't. He's just saying, don't just do that. Don't just spend time with your family. I bet if, if that was in there, you guys would say, you've got to be careful with my wording here, forget the Bible, right? you say, to, to heck with the Bible. I'm still getting together with my family because I love my family. But Jesus isn't saying that. He's saying, when you get together with your families, why don't you invite somebody with you who's a little bit different? Somebody who's weak, who can't repay you, invite them as well. I'm sure they would like to have the company. They could use the meal, and I, that can be awkward. That can be hard to do. Uh, but I, I, would, I challenge you to try this one of two ways. Either one is and when you get your family together, you know, we got invited over for Thanksgiving, and that was probably a big deal because the Berkleys, there's a lot of Berkeleys at Thanksgiving. But we got invited, so somebody did that to us. We were new in the community. They said, hey, we're going to make you part of our family because you don't have anybody, and that meant a lot to us. So you can invite somebody over that you wouldn't normally invite Along with your family, you say I can't do that. My family's too big. Okay, invite somebody over for dinner, even when it's uh, when no, none of the rest of your family has come. You you invite that awkward coworker. You invite that neighbor that nobody wants to talk to. You invite the kids over that are the misfits when nobody else is going to know. No one else is going to see. So it's it's possible to do this, and I would encourage this. Uh, Romans twelve sixteen says talks about don't be proud but be willing to associate with people of low position. We look at ourselves and we, uh, it's easy to say, I don't want to hang out with those people. But Jesus said, I mean, Paul says in Romans something different. In James 1.27, it says, look after the orphans and the widows in their distress. I love this verse. Uh, we've, we've, we're looking into adopting. And I know that there's others who have, are doing the same kind of thing. You know, and I, what I learned when they, they say, when they, a kid comes to your house, what do they bring with them? nothing. You know, you're lucky if they got a bag full of clothes because they go from house to house to house and they, they just have nothing to, to give to bring with them. They have nothing to say thank you with, nothing to give. In their society when when people were widows, they were poor, they didn't have a job. They didn't have retirement. They didn't have nothing that they can contribute to a family except for, I'm here, maybe I can watch the kids a little bit. And so all they can do is say thank you and be humble and say thank you for doing this. You think about the humility that Jesus had one more time. He hung out with uh, uh, tax collectors and sinners. Those are like the lowlifes, like the worst people of their society. He hung out with them. In Matthew 19, you find out that Jesus hung out with the little kids. The disciples are trying to get rid of the little kids. And Jesus says, don't hinder them. Let them come. Because he was not too proud to hang out with the little kids. Jesus is even eating at a self-righteous man's house. And Jesus is God. Nothing on earth compares and quality to what Jesus is. The weakness of God is is stronger than man's strength. The the wisdom of God is smarter than man's wisdom. So this Pharisee has nothing. And Jesus says, I'm going to humble myself. I'm even going to eat at your house. And think about back to Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 7. Jesus died on that cross for us. How many people here can repay that? I can't. All I can do is be humble and say thank you, because I know what I deserve. And I, I know I can't earn it. God didn't look and say, wow, you know what? You know, give it, give it 39 years and you're going to be preaching in Plovna. And so, boy, by golly, you're worth saving. Said, no, I'm not worth saving except for that he loved me. And it's something that I just have to accept and I, I can't earn. You know, and so he says, I'm not too good to do this for you. Pride says I'm too good. Humility says I'm not too good. Third thing is that humble people will be rewarded. Um. Verses 11 through 14. The first example was at the table. It says, For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. These guys experienced this firsthand. These guys did not learn by example. These guys were the ones who were sitting there getting by experience. Jesus is saying, Hey, look, guys, this is what you should have done. You should have put other people first. They're learning a very difficult lesson. But even if they didn't learn it that day, someday they they learn that lesson. When they stood before God... And they thought themselves all high and mighty, and look at what I've accomplished, they stand before this holy God and say, Uh oh, boy, did I make a bad choice. I really am not as good as I mean, I see his holiness and I see that I am nothing. And so they were, at some point they were humbled because they did not exalt them because they exalted themselves. And the same thing could happen for us. If we if we do not humble ourselves and say, Jesus, I am a sinner. I can't get to heaven on my own. There's nothing I can do to get there. I'm only trusting you alone for salvation. We will have eternal life. But if we somehow think, man, I'm not really that bad, or I'm good enough, or I've done X, Y, and Z, you are going to be humbled. And I challenge you now, learn by example. The example is here in Scripture. Because none of us has gone up to heaven and has stood there and went through this before to say this is what it's like. But Jesus says, if you humble yourself, you will be exalted and if you exalt yourself, you will be humbled. So you've got to humble yourself and say, Jesus, I need you for my Savior. It's a very simple prayer. Jesus understands what you mean. And it says the humbled will be exalted. Uh, Now, I wish I could tell you exactly what that means. You know, I wish I could tell you that every act of humbleness that you did got praised. You know, that every time you did something nice for somebody or you gave something, something to somebody, that you were put on a parade You were marched down the street, and everybody praised you and thought, wow, isn't that great? Look what Leslie did. Look what Steve did. Man, those are such great people. But that's not really the way it works. If it did, I would be the most humble person you ever met, right? I would be doing everything humble in order to be exalted in the eyes of everybody. But that's not what it means here. You know, a lot of things that you do that are a humble act of service aren't even noticed. You know, when, when uh, this, there's this example that I've been just waiting all day to give. Uh, when we were first married, it was our second year uh, Thanksgiving that we had together. Uh, we were It was just the two of us. And, yeah, a lot of things are going to be foggy for you, Leslie, on this story. But uh, we had this guy over from church. He was in his 70s. And he was an awkward person. And this was Leslie's idea. So I'm not saying, look at me, kudos to me. I'm, I'm saying kudos to my wife. But this guy during church would he got a cell phone and it rang. I watched him walk out of the aisle and walk down the back talking to somebody during the church service. And it was the next week in the bulletin, it said, please turn off your cell phone during church. But this was the kind of awkward person that this was. So Leslie made this really nice meal. I went and I picked him up and I brought him home. And we had dinner. It was a very nice Thanksgiving dinner. And then I took him home. But something really strange started happening. We started getting phone calls. And people were saying, boy, you got a sweet wife. I, you should tell her it's a great, she's a great example of inviting people over. Uh, we got some cards in the mail. And, even, and they, they were just these, just cute little cards that say, hey, way to go, good example. Uh, when we got to church, all of a sudden people were shaking their hands that we didn't know. Uh, the, the pastor, Baxter, he was a Bible professor that I had. He was also the teacher, or he was the pastor at that church. And he even stopped during the service. And he says, you know what, guys, I heard about something that Leslie did. And I just think it's a great example for all of us to follow. She invited this guy over. He wasn't there that Sunday. He said he invited him over. They had a very nice meal. Look what all the stuff that she did. I think we should give her a round of applause. And so everybody gave her a round of applause. No, none of that happened. We brought him to our house. We had dinner. We took him home, and that's it. Nobody else in that whole church of like 150 to 200 people had any idea that she decided to do this. The the guy might have said thank you the next time, but other than that, it was mum. It was totally quiet. Nobody at that church knew anything about it. Uh, Nobody here would have known anything about it except for I opened my mouth and told you this is what she did. But it says, uh, if you humble yourself, you will be exalted. Verse uh, 14 says, Uh, Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Leslie is going to be repaid for this act of kindness that she did. When she dies, uh, when when the church gets raptured, and we're all going to get our own single appearance before God by ourselves, and you will be rewarded for the things that you did in this body, whether good or bad. And she's going to get... I don't know what she's going to get. She's going to look a little crown on her jewel. She's going to get a pat on the back and says, Leslie, that was a really sweet thing that you did. But she humbled herself to do that, and she will be exalted in God's sight. And that's the best place of exaltation that you could possibly have. We can all look and say, man, she was something special. And that fades. And then we go on to say, wow, somebody else was something special. But really, God says, Leslie, that was something special, and I want to reward you for that. The world may never know, but God knows The humble will be exalted. Those who uh, are prideful will be humbled. And at some point, we are going to reap what we've sown. What we did down here here on earth is going to have an eternal impact in heaven. I don't know what it's going to look like, but I know that you're going to get your personal appearance with God, and he's going to reward you for the things that you've done. I want to go back real quickly to uh, Philippians, uh, because it talked about how Jesus was humbled And he was, uh, God exalted him to the highest place. I can find it here. Um, I just want to read these last couple verses in closing. Where am I looking at? Philippians, sorry, I'm sorry. Okay, Philippians. Because Jesus humbled Himself, therefore, verse nine, God exalted Him to the highest place and gave Him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Jesus humbled Himself, and He will be He was exalted up in heaven. If we humble ourselves, He will exalt us in some form or fashion. So I challenge you, learn this by. Example. This is this teaching. This what you've heard is the example of how we need to be. Take it. Go out there. Be humble. Uh, associate with people who are different. Be willing to serve people, even if there's nothing in return, because God says He will reward you for doing that. He was exalted, and I encourage you to go out and try to do the same. Put others first and humbly serve one another in love, and God will reward you. Let's pray. Dear God, I do thank you for this example that you gave us. God, you have you demonstrated the perfect example of humility by being coming to this earth to, to live a life just the way that we did, to experience the highs and the lows and the pains and the sorrows because you love this. You were the perfect example of humi- humility. God, I pray that you'd help each of us to have the same kind of humility, that we put other people first, that we'd be willing to so- associate with people who are different, and we'd be willing to love them, and to serve them the way that you would have us to do that. God, I thank you for, uh, for for dying on the cross, being so humble that we could have eternal life. And God, if there's anybody here who needs that, God, please put that on their heart and mind, that they need to humble themselves and choose to follow you. And I pray for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. So